turn in our Bibles to Titus chapter 2. Titus 2. We're going to read verses 11 through 15. 11 through 15. You can find it in your pew Bibles on page 1,859. 1859. Titus 2, verses 11 through 15. For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age while we wait for the blessed hope, the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for himself a people that are his very own, eager to do what is good. These, then, are the things you should teach. Encourage and rebuke with all authority. Do not let anyone despise you. Thus ends our reading of God's infallible word. May all who hear it be instructed by God's grace. Well, if you recall way back, we have been going through the book of Titus, and because of a number of things throughout the past month, we, we had to take a, a short, or actually a lengthy hiatus. Therefore, what I want to do first is to highlight a few of the things we had learned in order to freshen your memory. To start off, Paul had instructed Titus to straighten out what was left unfinished on Crete. Titus was to appoint elders in this young church. These were to be men of upstanding character with the ability to teach. And one reason for this urgent need was the, the presence of the circumcision group. In order to combat that false teaching, elders would have to encourage others with sound doctrine and refute those who oppose it. And Paul had given this same command to Titus to teach what is in accord with sound doctrine. This included both behavioral instruction as well as theological Paul then divvied up the church, distinguishing between age and sex and slave and free. However, the, the main thrust for everyone was to find a submissive spirit towards Christ. Each were to humbly yield to their respective roles for the sake of the gospel. Paul desired that these brothers and sisters in the Lord would live godly lives. And that by doing so, their vocal witness of Jesus would be attractive to those that have yet to believe. In our passage for today, we see a shift from the behavioral instruction to doctrinal or theological instruction. You see, it's, it's not enough for, for Titus to just tell these people how to act. Instead, he must, he must ground it in something greater than just rules and commands. Laws can produce outward obedience, yet, yet if Titus wanted to see true change in, the, in a person, then their heart must be made new. 
Therefore, he was to instruct these people by, by pointing them to the only thing that can turn a heart of stone into a heart of flesh. Look at verse 11. For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. It is grace that will be the focus of Titus' teaching. Let's give our attention to that word for a moment, grace or, or charis in the, in the Greek. The Romans of that day would use this term to describe either a, a kingly or, or a divine beneficence. It was, it was a good done by a ruler or a god on behalf of the people. A great example of this would be the story of King David and Goliath, though he wasn't king yet. There we, we see a man who, who went out to battle to defend his people from the Philistine invaders. He did what no other man could do when he defeated the giant and saved his people. Like David, grace ushers in salvation as well. But salvation from what? A giant? No. From the penalty of sin and ungodliness. Grace brings rescue from the wrath of God. A judgment that presses upon the souls of all sinners. Grace brings liberation from the destructive consequences that, that, that hover overhead. And what does Paul say? That this grace has appeared. It has become manifest. How so? In the form of a man. It was Jesus who brought about the grace of God through his life, death, and resurrection. And to, to whom does this man appear? The verse says, all men. You see, the, the grace or, or charis that, that Paul is speaking of here does more than just rescue a city or save a nation, for it is a grace that goes out into all of creation. It is, a, it is a gift that is offered to all mankind. What men are helpless to do for themselves, the, the Lord has done for them. It is, it is God's grace that brings salvation. And this grace has appeared to all men. And it has appeared to you. Every time you hear the word preached, each time you open up God's word and read it, when you sing that hymn and are reminded of all that Christ has done for you, that is God's grace manifesting itself in your life. And grace is your teacher. Verse 12. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. Grace not only brings salvation, but it, but it teaches the believer how to live 
First, it does so negatively. Grace helps the Christian to say no. No to what? Ungodliness and worldly passions. What is ungodliness? Basically, it is anything that is anti-God. It is whatever opposes God. This could be a a false teaching or, or some type of sinful behavior. Given the context of Paul's letter, he is most likely referring to the teaching of the circumcision group, which had led to all sorts of ungodliness. But grace teaches the believer to deny worldly passions as well. What was typically meant by that was the sinful impulses that that could be expressed through the body. The Apostle John spoke of this same idea in his first epistle. Look at uh, 1 John 2, verses 15 through 17. Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For everything in the world, the cravings of sinful man, the lust of his eyes, and the boasting of what he has and does comes not from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desires pass away, but the man who does the will of God lives forever. You see, godliness and worldly passions, they work in tandem to deceive men of what is truly valuable. This is what was happening on Crete. Ungodly teaching had wormed its way into the church, leading to the pursuit of worldly passions. Grace teaches a person to reject those things. But it's, but it's not just thou shalt not. It is also thou shalt. You see, grace also teaches positively. First, to be self-controlled. It helps you to overcome the impulses of the flesh, those sensual desires that ensnare you. It then teaches you to be upright. This is a, is a life that is virtuous and wholesome. It is being that good neighbor All those things that Paul instructed Titus to teach when he described the different roles of older and younger men and women and slaves. And finally, grace teaches you to live a godly life. This is a life not only respectable to the outside world, but is pleasing to God. It is a a life that comes from a knowledge of God, both who he is and what he has done and will do. It is this godly life that reaches down deep within, at the very core of your being, bringing a change to your innermost desires. You see, it it used to be that the values of this world shaped who you were, but now it is grace that will define you. And I'm using the word now for a reason. For Paul says that it is in this present age that grace forms you into what you are to become. Your salvation is not complete. You still have sin waging a war inside of you. Yet the grace of God is sanctifying you. 
transforming you into that, that godly saint, into the image of His Son, while you wait. Wait for what? Look at verse 13. While we wait for the blessed hope, the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. While you struggle with your sin in this new life, you are to exhibit patience for that blessed hope. And what is that blessed hope? It is that day, the day, when your, your battle with sin will be done away with. When, you, when your already purified soul will become one with your future glorified body. When this evil present age will pass away and make room for the new age. When creation itself will be redeemed and heaven and earth shall be made one. When every tear shall be wiped away and suffering will be no more. You see, that, that, that blessed hope is when glory himself appears. Your great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Only then will your true heart's desire be met. For deep down, the hope of every believer is to be in the presence of their God. What began with Christ... Him taking on human flesh, living that sinless life that you could not, dying on the cross in your stead, and then rising from the dead three days later, will come to its ultimate culmination when he returns in his full glory. And Paul reflects on all of this in verse 14. Who being Christ, gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for himself a people that are his very own, eager to do what is good. Notice that Jesus' life was not taken, but he himself gave it. John chapter 10 verses 17 and 18 say this, the reason my Father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I received from my Father. And it was his life that was the cost of your freedom. He substituted himself when he, when he hung from that tree. He bought you so that you would be free from wickedness in order, in order for him to purify you for himself. Imagine you are a slave and, and, that, and that your master is cruel and beats you. And yet he has you brainwashed. So that you don't think that you're being mistreated. Suddenly, along comes a redeemer. One who purchases you, purchases you from that wicked master. 
And now this, this new master is both caring and patient, gently teaching you, renewing your mind with the truth until you finally understand that your, your true desire is not for abuse, but to be with and serve your kind new master. This is what Christ has done for you. He is purifying, he is purifying you for himself, making you into his people, a people of his very own, eager to do what is good. This was how Titus was to put in order what was left unfinished. This is the, the very thing that, that Paul talked about at the beginning of his letter. The truth that leads to godliness and the hope of eternal life. Grace would teach them. Christ would be their instructor. Paul then gave to Titus another word of encouragement. Look at verse 15. These then are the things you should teach. Encourage and rebuke with all authority. Do not let anyone despise you. Referring back to, to verses 1 through 14 of this chapter, Paul urges Titus to teach those things. Whether as a word of encouragement to those who, who were struggling to embrace the grace of God and to live that godly life, or whether it was a, a word of rebuke to those that had fallen prey to the, the teachings of the circumcision party and were sucked into the patterns of this world. Dear friends, are, are you trying to live that godly life and yet never seem to be able to pull it off? Look to grace. Look to the cross of Christ. Where, where the penalty of your sins are taken away. Let, let Jesus instruct you by his forgiveness. Let him mold your heart. You see, if, if your efforts are only focused on the rule of law, then you will, you will either be burdened by your failures, or you'll become proud, thinking that you have accomplished a good work but it will only be an outward expression with no inward change. Only grace can teach you true godly living. Or perhaps you have been ensnared by the things of this world and a rebuke is necessary. You have gone back to that, that former master, that one that beat you thinking once again that, that the good life is in his cruel hands. Again, I urge you to run to grace. Only in Christ will you find true freedom. And finally, Titus was to be a man who would, who would not shy away from speaking the truth. He should not let anyone despise him. Brothers, sisters, speaking the truth in a world that does not want to hear the truth is never easy. Yet it is what God has called you to do 
It's what God called Titus to do as well. If you truly commit yourself to allowing grace to be your teacher and to teaching grace's message, I hate to say it, but you will be despised by this world. Yet your hope is not in the world, but in the one who overcame the world and the one who offers eternal life. This, this was why Paul gave to Titus such encouragement. You see, Paul, he was no stranger to being despised for the message. Having been stoned and driven out of cities, having been arrested and put on trial, having been flogged and told to be silent, Titus was to see Paul's example and to teach of God's grace. And you are no different. You are to let grace be your teacher so that you may live godly lives. And you are to teach this same grace to others, not letting anyone despise you. For when Christ is your teacher, the things of this world, they become silent. And the glory that is the hope of eternal life will be all that matters. Let us pray. Father, your grace truly is amazing. It is our teacher and our guide. And your grace has made itself known in your Son. Jesus is our great instructor. And this grace has become evident at at the cross where he died for our sins. Fill us now with your Holy Spirit. Encourage us when we need encouragement and rebuke us when we need to be rebuked. May our hearts be motivated by your grace. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.